Hey, 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 everybody. It's Scott again. It's my second podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Got a lot of good feedback from last week and uh, happy to be here with you again uh, on the podcast, just talking about life and talking about um, right now coronavirus and all the craziness that's going on. Today, though, I've got a really, really special guest with me. Would you please welcome my BFF, Cindy? Say hey. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me, honey. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. So um, we get to spend a lot of time together, right? How, so how long have we been? Let's see. We started, was it, I don't know. How many, how many days have we been at home, like working from home, not going into the office? That's been a while, right? Yeah, at least three weeks. It's been th- yeah, at least three weeks. I think it's been four weeks, honestly, but who knows? I don't know. It's been a long time. So I know a lot of you out there are working from home and doing a, a lot of things differently. Uh, I get to make the grocery runs. Cindy has not had to go to a grocery store, which is very interesting right now. Everybody's wearing masks. And I haven't personally been yelled at for not wearing a mask. I started wearing a mask, I guess, last week. But um, but I've heard people getting yelled at <laughs> for not having mask on. And I'm like, well, you know, everybody, if you've got a mask on, you should be good. But anyway, um, who knows, right? All the information's crazy out there and you don't know who to believe. But uh, so I asked Cindy to come on today and we she's going to be on with me pretty regularly. And one of the things we talked about doing is maybe just like taking topics and pulling them out of a hat. And and so we kind of did that today. I just kind of th- wrote some topics down and I picked one that I thought would be very relevant and pertinent to now, to today, because a lot of couples like us, maybe for the first time are finding themselves at home together, working together, maybe not the same kind of work, but but somebody's got an office set up at home and the other spouse has got their office set up maybe in the same room. I know I have a friend that, that said he talked his wife into coming in and now they're both working in the same office. I don't know how that works because she's a teacher and, and uh, he's on the phone with people all the time. But anyway, um, I, I just think it's interesting that everybody's having to kind of try some things that they probably thought they'd never have to try. But I know you and I actually work together at 31 you're the founder and CEO, and I'm chief brand officer. I think I came in, um, I think I was talking about this last night with somebody. 2007 is when I came on staff. Is that right? Do you remember that? Maybe. Do you remember why you hired somebody like me? <laughs> yes, because we needed help with communications, and you're a great communicator. Wow. Thank you very much. Yeah, I um, yeah, I remember coming on. I, didn't, I was not qualified, but I sure was cheap. <laughs> I'm not cheap anymore, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> You're still a good communicator. All right. Well, good. Well, good. So anyway, we've been working together since 2007. So like 13 years now, we work together. And I think one of the questions that we get all of the time, I know I get it when we're at our conferences or when we're at events, or when we're at events um, is people say, so tell me how you guys do working together. And sometimes that's a loaded question because they're, it may be somebody thinking about quitting their job and working from home, or it may be a husband and wife that are talking about teaming up and doing something kind of like we've done for the last few years. And I just, I get this question a whole lot, and I know you do too. How do you guys do it working together? Um, and honestly, um, for us, and most of the people listening may not believe this, but it's actually been really pretty good. It hasn't been perfect. Like we've had to learn a lot of things, and we've had to try a lot of different things, and uh, we've had to learn to communicate better amongst each other and I think honestly it's no different than being in relationship with anybody else 
I think there are some of the things that we have to learn to, to do together. So, um, I mean, can you remember, do you remember any stories about either times where it really worked well together, or do you remember any stories about maybe when it didn't work too well? And we can be vulnerable here if you're not going to hurt my feelings if there was a time that didn't work too well. But can you think of anything? Um, I don't know that there's something specific, but I think that the times that it didn't work well together was whenever we didn't realize each other's role. Like, I think you have to know if you're the lead character or if you're the supporting character. And I think there's times where, you know, I'm coming in and expecting that I'm the lead character. And then it may be something around our culture or branding. And you quickly take on the lead character role because that is kind of your, your role at 31. So I think for, you know, just understanding your role and those are the times that I think it's gotten, um, heated or not as positive, not as effective for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's honestly, it is, it's kind of, a lot of it's about just kind of learning your parameters. And like I said, that's really not just in a marriage relationship. I think though, uh, and you and I've talked about this a lot, uh, across the years, it's tough sometimes because I think we are sometimes, um, a little harder on each other. Like I know I'm harder on you sometimes and I don't mean to be, I actually, because I love you and because of my love for you so strong, though we get comfortable with each other. And this happens in our family. I always think about kids and parents not getting along. I think about all the people that are home right now as families. And I'm seeing a lot of good, positive, like family time. But I've also heard a lot of people talk about the frustration of kind of being all day long with your family. And sometimes you've just had enough of your kids or you've had enough of your spouse. But I think familiarity makes us so comfortable. Sometimes I, I know I would say things to you in the past that nobody else working for you would have ever said to you. And a lot of that's just because that's where the line is hard to find. I have a comfort level with you and feel like I can be honest with you, but I've had to learn to be, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. I've had to learn to be diplomatically honest, not just, just blunt force honest. Right. Yeah. I think we've got to be respectful. And I think sometimes we, um, for the sake of convenience um, or security in a relationship, uh, sometimes we're not as respectful as we could be. And so our tone will change or um, we will think that what we're doing is more important than what you might be doing. So I might be on a Zoom and you might be cooking dinner and I'm like, okay, could you hold it down in there as much as I appreciate you cooking dinner? <laughs> like I think my meeting's more important. So you just automatically... Uh, show a little disrespect, whether it's in a comment or sarcasm or something like that. Um, and it's not that either one of us are doing anything any more important than the other, but just how can you be respectful whenever you're asking like, hey, or, you know, could you be a little quieter? Could we do the dishes afterwards or whatnot? Um, but for me, I think that I've just learned that I work best in a uh, closed space. And I know not everybody has that space where you can kind of retreat to. But, um, you know, I use one of the other bedrooms in the house. And um, so I'm able to go there, kind of close the door. And I'm really able to have that quiet time or that focus time without the dishes going in the background. And that's one thing that I've just had to learn that works really well for me because I get easily distracted. Like it's just some, it's just part of who I am. It happened in elementary school. So I'm easily distracted. And so I have to kind of get my little spot if I want to focus and I want to work. Well, and likewise, I've had to learn that because you have to so intently focus, sometimes I'm ready to ask a question or make a comment or get your input on something. And 
And uh, I've had to learn if I ask the question and you can't, you can't pay attention to it, you're not ignoring me at all. You are actually focusing and I have to kind of give you that space to focus. Uh, and likewise, I mean, it's same thing happens if I am cooking, we'll go back to my cooking. If I'm cooking in the kitchen and I'm trying not to burn, you know, the, uh, burn the onions before I add them to something and somebody asks for help or somebody asks, what do I do with this? It's it, likewise, I'm trying to focus and it's hard for me. Now I react differently. Uh, I don't, I don't just stay silent. Usually I, I, I mouth off <laughs> cause I'm not a good partner when it comes to cooking in the kitchen. But at any rate, I, um, uh, the same thing kind of happens both ways. And I think you kind of have to learn parameters. You have to kind of learn where people are in their space. Uh, But I, I will say this before we get into kind of talking about some of the key things that I think we found across the years, and you can add to any of them uh, that you want. But before we get there, I will say for us, it has not only been uh, possible for us to work together. I think it's been part of the secret of the success of our business and the success of the culture of 31. I think having both of us there, you and I talked in the past about balance and, and maybe on another time here, we'll talk about our whole uh, path and grass talk. People loved that talk we did a few years ago, but, um, but we've just had to learn to balance each other out. There's a time for the gifts you bring. There's a time for the gifts I bring. There's a time for us to put our heads together and work, but it's really just about balance. I don't think it's impossible for any married couple to work together, but I think it requires both people kind of learning those parameters and learning some of the things we're going to talk about here and, and both have to give uh, as much get there. It's give and take both ways. So, um, so I just wrote down a few key ingredients to talk about and just jump in on any of these. And if you have any others that, that seem important, but one, number one, and this really, we should, we even have to say this in 2020 as adults, communicate like communicate is so important we have to let each other know where we are we have to let it let each other know what we're working on we have to talk about it and I still I think after working together now 13 years in the business really I helped before then and and being married for 27 years uh, I still find it sometimes hard uh, I just find it interesting that I still fail to communicate and that you sometimes still fail to communicate because we know communication is kind of like the most important thing, right? Yeah. And I, th- I don't know. I think there's just a few things that I've learned over the years around communicating with you and understanding what, what I'm looking for. So, um, you know, if I'm going to go in and I'm going to share something that's happening at work, or if I'm going to share something that's happening with the kids, I think that, um, I already have in my head what I'm expecting out of you, but you have no clue like what I'm expecting. So like, I think one of the things that I've learned to do is just try to state the objective, like, okay, I just need you to listen because I'm just really fired up right now. And you know, your role is a supporting role and you're listening. You know, there's other times where I just need input and the decision doesn't have to be made right now. So I think sometimes even understanding, like, are you looking for advice? Are you looking for input? Are you looking for a decision? Um, you know, just do, do you have time to sleep on it? Is this a conversation that can go on for a couple of days? Or is this something that like is eating you up right now and you really need to resolve it before you go to sleep so that you can sleep better that night? So I think just understanding and kind of stopping for a minute and just, you know, even if you start in or like the other day I came in from a walk and I just started rattling and <laughs> you had no idea I what, what I was talking even about. talking about. 
And um, so you had to ask me questions um, to get me to back up because I had already been walking for 30 minutes and having this conversation with myself for 30 minutes. And it was like, I just expected you to know that last 30 minutes that, um, you know, I'd what I'd been talking to myself about, but I came in rattling. And so I think that you and I, and 10 or 15 years ago, that conversation would have gone very different. But I think that you started asking questions, which also helps me realize, okay, where are we in this conversation? And so I had to actually go back and set up the conversation better because I didn't do a great job of setting up the conversation with you. And so, and then I also had to say like, we don't have to have this decision today. Like I know we're going to meet on it next week. So it wasn't like urgent. It didn't have to be rushed. Um, but I was just excited and wanted to share all my thoughts with you. And there was nothing on fire, right? I just was like, just trying to have a conversation. And so I think that we used to handle that much different than we do today. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So if I can, can I share a quick analogy that, that came to my mind about that? So we, we, uh, I wouldn't call us binge watchers of any television show. We we have sat down and sometimes we'll watch two or three episodes of some of the Netflix shows or whatever. But I was just saying the other night, you remember, I don't know if you remember me saying this or not, we were trying to catch up on, I think it was The Man in the High Castle. And so we'll watch it. We'll watch a handful and then we'll get busy for weeks sometimes. And then we'll come back in. And there's a lot going on in that show. And I said... I said, man, I wish this is one time where I wish they would do the previously on the Men in the High Castle moment. They did that on 24, every single episode of 24. I remember we used to watch that previously on 24. And I was, I, it used to annoy me when we were watching them back to back to back because I remembered. But when there's something, when there's a lot going on, there's a lot to be processed, I kind of need that previously on Men in the High Castle moment. And, and we got to the end of a season and change seasons. And immediately after I'd said that, the next episode we watched, they did that. And I'm like, oh, phew, I can go back and remember all this stuff because we started that show probably a year ago and are just now through like the first season, maybe second season of it. So it, that's not a plug for The Man in the High Castle, but it is to say it's really, really important to kind of lay the groundwork and remind people where we are because we're all thinking in a thousand different directions. We've all got a lot going on. I honestly think we all have too much going on and we'll talk about that another week. But um, but with everything that's going on, it's really important that we kind of come back in and say, all right, hang on, let me tell you where I'm at. Let me tell you where I'm coming from. Let's talk about what we're talking about. Now, boom, here are my thoughts. And and you did that. You clarified it. You're right. We handled that. I think we handled it like a boss the other night uh, compared to what we used to do because we would I would have just gotten mad at you and you would have gotten mad at me and we would have stopped talking. Well, and I think that that has applied so many times, whether it was with kids or whether it was, you know, this or that. So it doesn't always just have to be about work. But I think just setting up the conversation is super important, understanding your role in the conversation and then asking, are you expecting the other person to listen? Are you expecting the other person to give input? Is there a decision that actually needs to be made and how urgent is that decision? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just think that those things that can help with communication. Yeah, I think it's good. So my second thought I put down here, if I, if we can move on to, um, is to be diplomatically honest. Now that's, I worded that very carefully because I think some people, um, think you need to be completely honest with people and that doesn't always do them well, especially if it's, if it's in a situation, if it's in front of other people where, your honesty may show may seem like a lack of respect, or your honesty may be hurtful. Your honesty may, honesty um, could be emasculating. Like there's a thousand ways where honesty, 
honesty is always the best, the best choice, but you have to be diplomatically honest. And it's interesting to me because the Bible actually addresses this, and people tend to forget that this, all of this is in the Bible. But the Bible actually tells you to speak the truth in love. It doesn't just say speak the truth. And a lot of us have kind of have these hard personalities where we just want to be, look, I'm just black and white. You shouldn't have wore that today. And that, that can really be hurtful to somebody in the wrong situation. Even if they're a close friend or even if you think they can take it, we have to learn to speak the truth and love to one another. And I think we've had to learn to be diplomatically honest with each other. I, I used to, you know, I'm I kind of one of those people that kind of sees things black and white. And I can say, nope, that's wrong. You're going down the wrong path. And that never really went over well with you, and it never was helpful for you. Even if I was right sometimes, it wasn't helpful because it, I, in your mind, I wasn't addressing the issue. I was addressing you as being wrong. And that's the wrong, that's the wrong way to handle it. So I've had to learn, and you've had to learn too. We, we, this is part of something that we've, we've grown a lot in, both of us, I think, and how to be diplomatically honest with each other. In other words, speak the truth and love to each other. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I guess the first thought that came up for me is so many people want to be share their what their truth is, like even on social media. <laughs> and oh so my gosh, yeah. like how in the world can we really speak the truth in love on social media whenever in love really should be through words and through your actions? And um, so how do you really show, you know, that you are supporting someone and you're helping them through something. And I think that it's not just speaking the truth, but I think that it's actually your actions and showing up. I'm an acts of service girl, so that's one of my love languages. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, really just making sure that, you know, we understand what someone is looking for. And sometimes how you think that it needs to be shared, it's not going to be received that way if they've got a different personality or if they've got different love languages. And just even understanding why it, why are you um, trying to speak that truth into their life? Because sometimes you may be speaking truth about a stress behavior. So if someone's just cranky and it's a stress behavior, like rather than speaking truth about their crankiness, try to go in and love them and try to understand, okay, what's going on? Yeah, right. And then they start, and then you start to reveal what's causing the stress behavior. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you talked about online, and I think it's so hard for people to understand that when you write something, it never comes out the way you're saying it when you write it. You may mean it with the best intention, but every written word is subject to the position of the person reading it. So if you come from a place of defense when you read something, you're going to read something and it, you're going to take offense to that if you're in a place of defense. Or sometimes, honestly, I mean, um, all of us didn't get great grades in writing our English papers in high school and college. Like, I, I mean, I, I got good grades, but still sometimes things I write gets misinterpreted. And just understand that everything you put online, everything you write down in any form or fashion online can be read a thousand different ways. And... If people read it, if you said it wrong or if people read it wrong, it can really damage you and it can damage other people. So I would I would tell everyone, be mindful of what you say online and, and be mindful of the justice you seek online by, by, by spewing your opinion about something because it can really, really hurt other people, not just the people it may be aimed at, but it can hurt people. Uh, other people in that circle. So you, we have to be really careful with 
with our words and make sure that if we're speaking our truth, we got to be super clear about what it really, really means. And sometimes it's better just not to speak the truth, but to wait and understand where the person that you're addressing is coming from in the first place, right? Well, and I feel like that it also not only hurts other people, but it hurts your own reputation. And whenever your reputation is hurt, then it makes it hard for you to be effective. It makes you hard to be an effective mom whenever you've hurt your reputation by yelling at your kids over and over and over. It hurts your reputation at work whenever you blow up or you have, you know, you cuss in front of the whole team meeting or whatever. So I think that I don't. I don't think we always realize how much it actually hurts our own effectiveness as being a leader, as being a mom, as being a wife, as being a friend. Yeah, and so I'm I'm funny a lot, but I and sometimes I have found with people who only knew me as the funny guy, it was hard for them to take me seriously when I was being serious. So it works both directions. So um, this one is for married people, uh, but and I think this is really important. This is not just important if you're working together, but take time for the stuff that made you fall in love in the first place. Like you and I share a lot of interest. We like to hike and we like to paddleboard. Those are just some physical things we like to do. We love Disney World and we like to watch movies. We don't like all the same kinds of movies. You kind of like the girly movies or the British TV shows. Like, But we find the things that that were there when we very first fell in love and we practice those things and make sure that we make time for them and, and are intentional about that. Same thing with our kids. We've, we've made sure that the, that the things that made us a family before 31 and before college and before all the things we're going through, we made sure that we made time for the things that were really, really important then, right? Well, I think one of the things um, that we've always done is prayed together. So I'll never forget yeah. sitting in your little station wagon. Don't make fun of my station out wagon. Out behind Sears where I worked and we would pray. I mean, we would actually pray on a day and we would pray that we would be effective um, in other people's lives, other couples' lives. We yeah. wanted to have an impact on other marriages and other couples. And that was even when we were dating. And I'll tell you, our, all of our listeners, that, you know, any time that we find ourselves like, not working well together, like all it takes is us praying before we get out of bed in the morning. And it is out loud. I will say, even for my kids, I would always go tuck them in. And we prayed every single night together. Even whenever Evan was going off to college, you know, we all prayed together out loud. And so just, you know, I think there's something so powerful about prayer in your family. And, um, it is, you know, and, a verbal out loud prayer. So I think just saying, you know, I'm praying for you, it can be very impactful and effective. But for us, that's just one thing that I think has been kind of part of our secret sauce. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Praying is so important. And that's another great topic we can talk about one day for sure. So um, this one's, I wrote this one down because I've seen other couples do this. And I don't know that we've been guilty of this. Um, But give each other credit. That's really important. All right. So it's important that I give you credit as a leader in our business, I give you credit as a, as a peer in this business. It's important that I give you credit, but I, but I would add to that, but don't be weird about it. Like, and I don't know if any of you know what I'm talking about. Like it's the husband who, who 
like overdoes his affection for his wife all the time in public. And he, and most husbands don't struggle with that, but I've seen some guys or some ladies who just fawn over their spouse in public. And when you're working together, especially if you're working together, it doesn't really do the rest of the team any good for me to constantly fawn over you and say, good job, honey. I love it. Isn't my wife the best? Isn't she the greatest CEO we've ever had? Like those are great words for you to hear. Those are great words for them to hear, but some people can out and out just get weird about it. So I would say make sure you give each other credit, but don't get nauseating about it. Like everybody knows you love each other, hopefully. They know that by your actions, not by your words. So uh, don't get weird about that. I would just add, don't expect a lot of credit. Like just know that there's love and that there is respect. And I think that sometimes I've even kind of acted as the victim and I'm like, it just doesn't even feel like you respect what I do. And you're like, that is not the case at all, (laughs) but it's the way I felt. And so I would just say that if you are needing that to see, if you're seeking that approval or if you're needing those words, then just ask like, okay, I'm just not sure that you're on the same page. I'm not sure that you're respecting what I'm doing. Like, tell me like how you feel. And it's okay to ask for that validation from your partner. Um, Because I think that it comes out in stress behavior whenever I'm expecting it and I'm not getting it at all. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's really, really important. you're the same because you are a words of affirmation guy. And so I think that sometimes you get in a funk and I'm like, what in the world is going on? (laughs) And you're just looking to be validated. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So uh, I like this one, and we've kind of addressed this in some ways, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but don't try to think for the other person. Like, that's part of that being respectful of boundaries thing is I can't think for you. I can't possibly, as much as I know you, and I know you better than anybody else in the world, um, but as well as I know you and as much as I know you, I can't possibly think for you, and I can't think from your perspective. I have to try to put myself in your shoes to understand you, but I can never really truly think for you. we got to think for ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this one uh, is really important. So a lot, there's always been a lot of talk about strengths and weaknesses. And um, Marcus Buckingham and some of the guys wrote the Strength Finders book. And there's a lot of, if you haven't ever taken the Strength Finder test, I think it's practically free. It probably is free online several places. Everyone should take the Strength Finder test because their contention is, and they did a lot of studies with companies and organizations, organizations that folk, focused on fixing people's weaknesses were far less successful than organizations that focused on people's on people's strengths and accentuating their strengths. In other words, it's great to make somebody more strong, but you don't get much out of making people less weak in an area. So we have to always know each other's weaknesses. And, and I think uh, this, another way I wrote this was, know your own weaknesses as much as you think you know your partner's weaknesses. I think everybody in the world can look at the people around them at work or at home and I think we all think we could make a list of somebody else's weaknesses. And they may be right. I don't know. They may be wrong. But I, th- I think it's really more important, and people miss this so much, you've got to know yourself. You need to know your own weaknesses. Uh, now, you can't use that as a surrender fra- flag and say, hey, I, that's a weakness of mine. I just can't help you there. You can't be doing that all the time and kind of c- pull it out as a card when you want to be lazy. But we've got to learn our own weaknesses just as much as we know the weaknesses of the people around us, right? Well, and I think one of the sayings is that um, so many times our strengths can also become a weakness. Absolutely. And so how do you recognize if you're going to need to acknowledge someone that is that's kind of showing up in a weakness, acknowledge it 
through their strengths if that when that's possible. So say, you know, you are so great at, you know, communicating, but I think that sometimes you could be, you know, going too much or maybe you cross that line or whatever. And so like, how did it become in a situation, maybe a weakness or what caused it to become a weakness and looking for what triggered that. So there's so many ways and examples that that happens. Yeah, I agree. So you mentioned this a little bit earlier. Um, but if, uh, again, another resource that people really should, I think everybody should take, uh, is I, I, I say here, know yours and your partner's love languages. And Gary Smalley actually wrote the book, The Five Love Languages. They've written one for the five languages of appreciation in business, which is basically just the love languages for, for in kind of in a secular context for business. But talk about a little bit, if you, if you don't mind, how important that this whole love language thing has been to us and our relationship, not just at work, but in kind of everything we do. Well, I will say that any time that, um, you know, you and I aren't really in a good situation or in a healthy place that, you know, I can immediately go to, you know, focusing on, okay, your physical touch. So whether it's, you know, you carry your stress in your shoulders. So whether it's me just coming and giving a little shoulder massage, then I think that, you know, I know that that immediately can start taken down that wall that's between us. I know that whenever you are, um, your words of affirmation. So I know that whenever I can talk about the things that you've done that have helped impact our kids or have helped us be successful as a family or helped bring joy in a day where I was really stressed out and you were able to show up with a great, amazing dinner and I never had to go shopping. I didn't have to wear a mask at the grocery store. I didn't have to do any of that. And just to be able to acknowledge that, um, you know, it's just one thing, a huge thing that's off my plate every day. You know, those are things that I know have an impact on you. And so, I have to hold myself accountable to being a good partner and I have to hold myself accountable to making sure that I'm serving and I'm sharing those things with you because I think that that is in any relationship. It's not just, you know, man and wife and, you know, there's different beliefs and thoughts around that, but I think it's any relationship. If you want to make a relationship work, whether it's a working relationship or a marriage or with your kids, you know, you have to help serve and you have to, I mean, whether it's servant leadership or whether it's just serving your best friend, you know, and, sh- you know, sharing um, really great words of affirmation with your best friend, like that is important. I will say one of the things, and maybe we'll do a family you know, podcast one day, but I think that right now, one of the things that I would share is if you've not taken the love language, that this is a great time because you may have a little yeah. more time to talk about it. And it's a perfect time to do it with your kids. Yeah. So make one of your homeschooling activities because they have a kid's test mm-hmm. and understand your kids' love language. I mean, I know that I can go in and, and whenever Evan was little, I would always like rub lotion on his back and like it was just the world to him because he's physical touch. And so just that was one of those things that I was able to do for him growing up. Yeah, little joker was getting all my back rubs. Well, (laughs) 
<laughs> but I know that you've done the same with Alex. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. like there's different ways that we've been able to show up for our kids just because we know what their language is. Yeah. So if you don't know the love languages, get that. It's important. If you learn somebody else's love language, it's important. Just like if you're speaking to somebody who's Spanish, it's important for you to speak to them in Spanish because you need to know their language. You can't speak your language or they won't understand. So that's it. That's kind of the nutshell of it all. But get that book. It's really, really important. And this last one... Um, Again, I think it should be obvious, but I am amazed at the number of people who struggle with this uh, and admit they struggle with it. Uh, and it's just the word forgive. There was a pastor, Jack Hayford, still a pastor, Jack Hayford out, and I think he's in Van Nuys, California, wrote a book called The Key to Everything. What a great title for a book, by the way. Just, again, we endorse a lot of books. But Jack's book, um, The Key to Everything, uh, he basically boiled it down to all the versions of the word give. So like giving like giving to other people, giving in when you're in an argument with somebody, giving in, giving over, giving up when like when you know you don't have the ability to do something, just give up and let God help you through that. And But the the one that I remember the most is him talking about this word forgive and how it is kind of, it is part of the key to everything. It is a version of giving. And we I think we sometimes forget that, but for, forgive is a part of giving. And it means basically I'm, I'm going to give over however you hurt me, however you, I feel like you attacked me, whatever you said to me, whatever you did that offended me, I, it's a change on me until I, until I give it up. And the way I give it up is to forgive you. That doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't mean you weren't wrong necessarily. That doesn't mean the other person didn't hurt you. Some people have been like, tremendously hurt in their life. But I would say this is a, and this is a very strong biblical principle. The key to freedom in your own life when you've been hurt is that you forgive and let God take care of all the justice. We don't have to get justice. So, and I know for us, you and I, we've had to learn to do that because there were times through us working together, but honestly, they would have been there in our marriage too, probably, but it may be more amplified because we spend so much time around each other. There were times when we had to absolutely choose to forgive one another. Well, and you use the word choose, and it is a choice. Yeah. And I mean, I think you have to want to forgive because you know there's so much on the other side of that forgiveness. There's so much that's happened in our life because we chose to forgive each other from a situation or a time in, you know, the business or from a time of parenting. So I think, you know, the how to do that though is like the hard part. And I will just share with our listeners that, you know, for me, it comes back to gratitude. And I literally have had times in my life where I've had to write down everything that I'm thankful for that you've done in my life. I've had to write down all the positive traits that you have going for you. I have to choose to, for, to want to forgive, but then how do I actually do that? I have to focus on those positive things so that I can get in a mental place and a spiritual place in order for it to actually um, happen, for me to actually get over those emotions and to be able to forgive you. That's awesome. Well, good. So uh, it's it's Bible time. <laughs> I like to always like to add Bible, and this is obviously just because of who we are. We're we're believers, and and um, it's a faith forward podcast. Uh, and every week I may not have a scripture, but I have a scripture this week that talks about this whole idea of working together. And I'm going to read from the message. The message is a modern translation, very modern. It's actually more of a paraphrase of the Bible, but it's pretty accurate to, to the old Hebrew and Greek text. I'm going to read from a book that people don't read from a lot of times, like Ecclesiastes. I, 
I honestly, I don't know if you're like me, if you go to church, we used to carry our Bibles. I actually love my Bible on my phone now because I can find chapters, like books I couldn't find for 25 or 30 years. But Ecclesiastes is one of those you're like, oh, no, I got to find it before my neighbors do or they think I'm not a believer. <laughs> That's the kind of judgment we used to do. Start the song in your head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you got to go. I, we had a Bible rap, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Anyway, I don't, I don't remember. I may have even said those out of order just now. But anyway, um, Ecclesiastes. A lot of people avoid Ecclesiastes because they, they see it as negative. It's not really a negative book, but just a little quick background. This is Solomon. Most scholars think it was Solomon. And... This is the third thing he wrote uh, after Song of Solomon, and then he wrote Proverbs, and then he doesn't really say his name at the beginning, but most people, most scholars believe because of some of the context and clues he put in there that he wrote Ecclesiastes, and he wrote this late in life. Like, he had lived life. He'd actually made some huge mistakes. There was a time period in his life, a lot of people don't know this about Solomon, where Solomon actually forsook God and went and worshiped the God of one of his wives. Like, it's crazy. Like, you can think about that now. Like, no, who... People don't do that. I guess people still do that. But anyway, uh, Solomon wrote this book near the end of his life, and, and it, there's actually a lot of wisdom in it because it's the voice of an, of an old man, and he was considered to be, still considered to be, the wisest man that ever lived in Judeo-Christian culture. And so Solomon is writing this at the end of his life. He's made all his mistakes. He's lived his life. And a lot of this book has to do with basically, and this is why people think it's so sad, everything in this life is just vanity, like this life is just useless, like, it's not about that. But there's actually a lot of positive in the statement. If you read the whole book of Ecclesiastes, he's really talking about how really the only thing that's worth living for is what you have um, between you and God, the relationship with you and God and the relationship uh, that God has with you and what God can do for you. Basically, uh, in the New Testament, uh, it would be the writer in the New Testament that says, um, basically, our righteousness is not even as good as filthy rags when compared to God. Like, like God is so much bigger and so much greater than us. The good news is He's merciful and loving, and, he, and He's full of grace and full of compassion for us. And I think Ecclesiastes wasn't meant to be a downer book like, I wish I hadn't lived this life. I think He's saying, look, if I've learned anything from this life, everything on this earth is vanity, but what I've got with God, like, that's the thing. But hidden right in the middle of that, and, and let me get back to, to our subject at hand, hidden right in the middle of Ecclesiastes is this verse. This is in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4. This is verses 9 through 12 from the message. It says, it's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. Two in bed make, or two in bed warm each other. Alone, you're going to shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. But with a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A cord with three strands, some versions say, or a three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. And, of course, he's talking about adding God, I think, to the equation there. And people use part of this always uh, for weddings. Um, they, they, use, they use this verse in weddings. But it's, it's really important that I don't think any of us are made to go life alone. Like, we need somebody. It doesn't mean we have to be married. There's a lot of single people out there who have a lot of success, but I also know those single people, the ones that I know anyway, they all have somebody they can go to. They have people that can help support them and hold their arms up, somebody that can help share the work with them and help carry the load. And I just want to thank you for 27 good years 
amazing years of helping me carry my load, and hopefully I've been helping you carry yours. For sure. Thank yeah. you, honey. Love you. Yeah, I love you too. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for week two or episode two. I don't know if we're going to do this weekly or not, but uh, we'll do it regularly. How about that? I'll commit to that. Anyway, God bless you guys. Uh, let us know if you have any questions. Give us some love. Uh, if you're an Apple podcast user, it took Apple a few days, but Apple podcast is now up and available. This is also available on Spotify podcast or on SoundCloud. It is under the Scott Monroe podcast. Still don't know if we're going to keep that name, but that's the name right now. Thank you guys for listening. God bless you and have a wonderful, wonderful, safe week. Bye.